Hello and welcome to the latest Open All Hours QPR podcast. I am Clive Whittingham from Lost Words. It is great to be back and great to have you with us wherever you're downloading from uh, in the world. Uh, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your support. We hope you enjoy the podcast. I'm joined by two other Queen's Park Rangers supporters and uh, a QPR executive. We are delighted to say that the club's CEO, Lee Hughes, uh, has joined us this evening. Lee, I dare I ask, how are you? <laughs> We're doing okay, thanks. A little bit, uh, yeah, you're on your last legs when I, when I saw you last night, but uh, so we really little, appreciate little, you. A little, little bit under the weather, but no, no worries. A lot of people under the weather right now, so no, we're all getting through it. Uh, we really appreciate your time. Um, obviously, Lee is going to be here to talk about training ground and bond and finance and things like that. Uh, we are by no means finance experts here. We are uh, football fans, so there's no such thing as a stupid question this evening, which is just as well, because also joining me tonight is Paul Finney. How are you, Paul? I knew that was coming. I could have read your mind. I'm no bad big man. Um, Lee, you, you look like death, mate. No offence. <laughs> Stop um, insulting Don't insult the guest. And, um, my my wife actually coming. looks even worse than me. Oh, mate, what is it? Is it flu? Oh, it's just a head cold that's going around. I got it from her. She started since last Thursday. I only started on, on really Monday. Um, and I, I think I'm going to come out the other end soon, but she's still hacking away. Yeah, it's not, not good at all. Now, there's a lot, uh, of, it, uh, there's a lot of it around. And, at, least, uh, at least you two have shared a bond together. Bring it closer. Uh, yeah, that's uh, very no, That's all right. Yeah, no, fine. Tick. Um, last but not least, uh, Charlie from Talking Rangers. We, our paths have not crossed on this podcast. It's so weird. It's nice to see you, mate. How are you? Very well, thank you. Um, coming on past the, the two back-to-back defeats, there's, there's, a, there's nothing to grumble about at the moment. We're all ready to be nice and positive. Yeah, always uh, improved uh, the mood with a win. We do have a couple of uh, home wins to talk about. 2-0 against Birmingham last Tuesday and a very smug, satisfying 3-2 win over Preston Knob End at the weekend, which I enjoyed <laughs> immensely. We will come back. Uh, and talk about those. We'll do it the other way around tonight because obviously Lee is here to talk training ground and training ground bond and stuff like that. Lee, I think I've been interviewing you on and off uh, for five or six years now and I'm looking forward to the day when I don't have to ask the question, can we have a nice training ground, please? That day seems to be drawing quite close. There's actually a spade in the ground at Heston. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on down at the site at the minute? I'm so glad that, that 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 question changed from what I expected it to be because when you said I'm looking forward to the day when I don't have to, and I thought interview me, um, but <laughs> that's that's good. Yeah, and yeah, great. It's, it's nice to have a Charlie on the air. It's not Charlie Austin because <laughs> normally normally he takes up all the airtime. So tra- training ground, yeah, yeah, it's it's it, you're right. It is great to have it over the line. Obviously, the purchase uh, was accomplished some time ago. Um, we were able to secure the freehold of, of, of the ground um, back then. So since then, it's just been working on the planning permission, um, which, which uh, you know, obviously we, we got about a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, it's just nice to have everything o- over the line. Um, obviously, we, I know you were asking a lot about it. People were asking a lot about it. I kind of took the idea that it might be a good strategy this time to keep everything really, really low key um, because there, there, there wasn't, you know, any environmental groups or friends of, of Heston 
who were banging the drum against this, it looked like a pretty open goal. I thought the, thought the only thing that we can do is mess it up if we made a big deal about it. So we've kept it very low key, let it go through. We had one objection from Sport England um, in regards to, to um, cricket pitches and the loss of the amenities there, which we, we, we did rectify, but they wanted more. At the end of the day, um, that, 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 that didn't happen. And um, we're, we're, we're delighted with what we had. Downs have been great to deal with. You know, you know they, can, they can see it. We've, we've, we've done quite a bit. We've, we've, um, we've provided additional sporting facilities elsewhere to provide for the loss of amenities that we have there. And they'll actually be fit for purpose because one of the things people, you know, probably, one of the things probably Sporting Lid didn't look at is the fact that you can't use these facilities right now anyway because they're in such dilapidated states. We're actually giving you new facilities. So anyway, we're, we're there. Yeehaw. Now it's, um, you know, the, the diggers already on site. Are, you know, that's that's it. everybody said, you know, I'll believe it when I see a spade in the ground. Well, we got one giant, enormous bucket spade in the ground right now so you know long long may continue that we get this done as soon as possible um pitches being the first priority and that's that's what we started on already so for those of you that have been on the moon uh the club currently uh rent a uh, fairly basic training facility from imperial college at harlington they withdrew from a protracted uh, and quite messy uh, attempt to build a new training ground at warren farm that got mired in all manner of skylarks and great crested hairy Brentford fans they have now purchased the freehold and not the leasehold at Heston Lee will shout at me if these figures are incorrect but the purchase of the land was somewhere around four or five million and the training ground development is 20 million ish the uh, some of that is going to be paid for by uh, a bond that supporters and investors um, can buy and there was a, a launch evening at Loftus Road last night and uh, that went live this morning. Lee, can you explain what the bond is and why you have decided uh, to go down that route? It's something that worked well at Burnley, Norwich, Rangers, uh, not so well at Arsenal and West Ham. Why have we decided to go down that route? Yeah, the, the, the experience I've had with it, obviously, first of all, I'm bringing experience that I've had firsthand at Burnley where it worked very well. It was a very inclusive process with the fans. Um, it, was a, it was an efficient use of capital for the club. It was a win-win for everybody. Fans getting a, a better rate of return than they get at a high street bank. The club getting a better better rate of return than they get if they were just borrowing on, on um, from, from institutional investors. So win-win for, for everybody. Um, again, Norwich replicated it, the same exact thing. Um, Burnley was a little bit different because it was just it was it was a private offering that, that, that we did as a club. Um, we actually used Tafosi, who've got experience in this and have done it with with quite a few people, including you know um, Surrey County Cricket Club uh, amongst others, Harlequins, um, and have been very very successful at it. Um, we let them do the work, and so far so good. It's been very very good. We said the minimum amount to make it viable had to be two million. And we, um, you know, that they, they, we, we went well past that by one o'clock this afternoon and they're still processing. That's amazing. I mean, can you give us sort of rough numbers at this point? But that sounds too many pounds by lunch is not a bad thing. Yeah, things are coming. All, all they've told me is this is the fastest launch they've had in, under a Tafosi bond um, in, in terms of, of, of the money that, that's come in. So, you know, that's that, that bodes really, really well for us. Um, I, I just think it's great because I, you know, for me, and I, I may have messed this up because I didn't, like an idiot, I didn't pre-register um, just thinking I'll just come in. So it's something I need to get um, myself in, in gear on because it is ISA compatible. That was one of the things that I thought, oh, actually, that's that's one of the reasons we brought them in. You do stuff like that I couldn't have done at Burnley because you can do stuff like make it ISA compatible. Um, and it's as, as I said, you, the idea was 
create that connection, make it a win-win situation for both fans and, and investors. Um, interesting, one of the things Tafosi said last night is this was attracting a lot of interest from outside QPR, which I found quite interesting. So whether it's people who had invested in other of their bonds and said, we quite like the model and they've decided to go into QPR, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, you know where the, the, the non-QPR fans are coming into it. Um, you know, I, I really want, my desire was to make sure it was, it was a platform for QPR fans first and foremost. Uh, there is actually a Norwich fan on our message board today who is invested in this because he enjoyed, well, his, he enjoyed his experience with his Norwich bond so much that he's bought one of ours. Um, yeah. I've got a couple of specific questions that have come up on message board and that I heard in the room last night, and then I'll throw it open to, to Paul and Charlie after that. Um, one of the benefits, um, there's uh, a 5% rate of interest um, on your investment, but there's also 3% um, in QPR cash. Um, can you uh, outline what that can be redeemed against and what it can't be redeemed against? Well, I guess, I guess first things first, if you, yeah, I should have probably explained how the thing works. It's a, um, it's a five-year bond. Um, it is, it is called, we can, we can um, call the bond in after uh, one year, not before then. Um, so, so that's it. It's 5% interest um, and it's per annum that, that's paid. Um, and then it's 25% kicker if we get promoted during the term of the five years. Um, on top of that, there's a 3% um, um, club um, redemption that you can do. That's redeemable specifically against um, anything in retail and match day tickets. So it's, it's, it's limited to those. So really, I think, you know, people like the Norwich fan and the other people, they obviously don't care about the 3%. I don't think anybody from Norwich is going to be coming down to, to redeem the 3% in the club shop. Clearly, it's the 5% interest and the 25% um, um, bump that you get if, if we get promoted. That is a, this is a real attraction. Uh, was there a particular reason that it uh, is not, um, you can't redeem that 3% against um, your season ticket? And the reason I ask is because a lot of the people that I spoke to last night are obviously died in the wall QPR fans who have season tickets, uh, extra match tickets isn't much of an incentive for them because they already have their season ticket. As I think somebody rather uh, cleverly said in the room, if, if you're looking to put £20,000 into this, which some people were last night, which was just amazing. That's, that's a lot of uh, golf umbrellas from the club shop. If you can't redeem it against season tickets, is there a particular reason that we, that you haven't al allowed that if you see what I mean? Yeah, that guy, I talked to that gentleman afterwards as well. And he was very disappointed that someone else used it later on in the meeting and didn't give him any credit for that. What comment. he did steal his chair, yeah. Exactly. I thought it was quite good. Um, but but the, the, the reason is, quite quite simply, um, we're giving everybody a very competitive rate of return. If the driver is the 3%, this is the wrong instrument for you. You shouldn't be investing it for the 3% club income. Let me just put, you know, put that out there straight away. That is not meant to be the driver. The 3% is... Hell, it's not even the icing. It's the sprinkles on top of the icing. And it's something that we know that it might, might be for our fans. But on the other hand, we're doing this because it's an efficient rate of capital to try and build a training ground. What we don't want to do is completely cut the legs out from under us going forward from an operational standpoint where we're, we're cannibalizing our own income streams um, to, for, for the training ground that we need the money for, for, you know, for the player budget and everything else. So, you know, that was why we said, all right, what we'll do is it's retail. Because, look, I, look I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to pull the wool over anybody's 
size. And I think people will know that obviously 3%, um, you know, retail, if, if, if you spent 10,000 pounds and you get 300 quid's worth of club credit, that if you buy 300 pounds worth of merchandise in the club shop, the actual cost to us is in 300 pounds. It's actually less than that. So while you're getting 300 pounds worth of benefit for it, that we're not paying for 300 pounds worth of benefit. So that there's, a, there's a cost saving on that front, which is why I said it's a win-win situation. So we're trying to make sure we keep it a win-win situation and we benefit everybody as broadly as we can. But people who don't invest in the bond, surely I, I, I wouldn't think they'd say, bloody hell, I don't want to see the club, you, you know, the player budget get cut because you, you know we're, we're paying interest out in, in, in club credits and we're losing season ticket revenue. So it's just trying to get that balance right. And so we've talked so far about the return on the investment rates of interest and, and club cash and things like that. I'm interested by the return of the investment. And um, let's say in five years time, it's all gone reasonably well. And uh, we people have earned their rate of interest and five years is up and it's time to pay the bond back. Uh, where does that money come from? Because presumably our money has been spent on a training round. Who pays that in five years time? Well, there's a lot of things that can happen in five years, depending on where that money would, would eventually come from. One, either um, if, if it's not gone extremely well um, and we're not turning over the, the money that we, we'd wanted to because we've built a training ground, we're producing players, we're, we're promoted, we're selling players for you know significant sums, whatever, then ultimately it would be the owners who would have to, to, to say, okay, well, I need to put in some money to make sure we pay this back. But the idea is this competitive rate, you know, e even if they went commercially, they'd still have to pay the money back and we'd still have to pay the money back no matter what. Um, I, th I think sometimes uh, maybe there's a misapprehension out there. You know, somebody might be worth something, you know, you know, Clive, you, you might be worth, you know, 500,000 with your house and everything else and 750, a million. <laughs> Bloody hell. It's even more than I thought. <laughs> Wow. So, so, Look around. <laughs> so, 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 but what what somebody's worth and what they have liquid in the in the in the um you, you know their access in your current account might be two different things and you know these these guys are are are, are you know they've, they've they've got some some money behind them but they've got some money behind them because they they tie it up in different things you know it's a bit like why from a club standpoint I have to do long term cash flow forecast I don't just say oh by the way I forgot to tell you next month I need two million quid you know because I think I'd be shot if that ever happened because they'd have to start liquidating positions and taking haircuts or as a customer various thing you know we need to know well in advance when we're accessing the cash when we need cash in um and that make sure it's loud and clear when they know that so they can plan for it and five years is a long time to plan um if in five years time they're just going to end up in theory a possibility that they're just going to pay us our money back then anyway um why do you need us now do you sorry if that's Sort of for exactly the same reason, yeah, exactly what, what I just said in terms of efficient use of capital. I'm not going to go liquidating a bunch of positions and taking haircuts on things that they, they, they don't need to. Um, I think you'd look at anybody who was going out to the market. I, I seriously doubt they're going to start running, you know, a personal check to, for, for 20 million quid. It's going to come from institutional, from institutions. Or it's going to come in some way because, they're, 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 you know, they're going to be financing. I work for Mohammed Al-Fayed. And, um, you know, he wasn't just running out checks right, left and center. He was using the, the, the credit markets. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's how big business really works. Uh, a lot of QPR fans um, from the not too distant past uh, will have been stung before uh, Chris Wright's chair issue in 1996. Um, a lot of people spent a lot of money on that. And the club, um, unfortunately, died on its ass basically what got relegated went into administration a lot of people lost a lot of money i remember my mum doing a lot of yelling around that mm -hmm. time in my childhood um so people will be will be wary i mean 
all the promotional material says capital at risk in capital letters on it. And I know I can't just say, can you give us reassurances that that won't happen? Because you can't. Can you explain to people some of the circumstances in which the bond will do well and also the circumstances that could hypothetically occur uh, in which it wouldn't? Yeah, a number of people asked this question last night. And um, what I, there's, there's a couple of things just need to, 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 to put this in the, in the right frame. Um, we can't advise people, you know, and advise, you know, so you have to go in and look at the risk factors. It's not up to me to, to say, oh, these are the risk factors. You have to go in and look at it. You have to go in. It is a test that you go through because there are people who've been rejected today who want to invest. But it's like, if you can't answer these questions, then you, you can't really invest. You have to understand what you're getting into. So I'm really not, can't go into the risk factors. Obviously our shareholders are also investing in it as well. So it's not just the, you know, as fans, the shareholders are fans as well. Everybody's in kind of the same boat going forward. But what's critical here, if you're thinking about investing is you must go in, you must read the terms and conditions. And I know it, you're thinking, bloody hell, that looks really boring. But if you want to invest in this, you have to make a conscious decision and know what you're doing independently. And we can't give any help whatsoever. That includes anywhere from if you're setting up a Tifosi account and you're saying, I can't quite, I'm having issues with the password. It's like, I'm really sorry. I can't help you with that. You know, if you can't get past that, you, you, you can't get past the question. And quite frankly, the FCA expects people not to pass this. So, you, you know, we, we have to make sure we're doing the right things because, you know, this is, a, a, you know, very, very stringently regulated and we need to make sure we're adhering to all the rules. Well, investments inherently risky. Uh, Sharp Clive, Paul, um, why don't you get stuck in for a little bit? So I'm just unmuting myself because... Stops the dog from barking. Um, first of all, thanks for coming on, Lee. Um, for the average fan like myself and being simplistic about things, Clive's already covered one answer. Why do we need to do this? But secondly, if fans don't do this, will the club then have to go and seek money from banks or whatever? Is it, to many people, it seems a, a cheap way of doing it. Is that is that a fair enough assessment? Oh, it's a, it's a uh, yeah. I think we do save a bit of money on, on that. We've got some some backing already. Uh, are we expecting the whole thing? Bear in mind, remember, this isn't the whole twenty million that's coming out of this. This is this is um, you know six point eight two is the maximum amount we're we're looking to to raise from this. Um, so you know, and as I say, we're already well on our way to that target anyway. So if if there's if there is a gap, I wouldn't expect it to be much. And also, if <clears throat> when it's all signed, sealed, delivered. And in five years' time, who will actually own the training ground? We own the training ground. The club, as in the club, the, the club own the training ground. There's no training. That's it. This is this isn't a bond secured against the training ground. This is an unsecured bond. The training ground is the club's. You know, there's, there's no there's the, there are no charges against the, the stadium. No charges against the training ground. All that stuff's been eliminated. And this is why, you know, I think what, what the owners are doing is they're trying to keep the balance sheet as clean as they possibly can. None of this sale and lease back nonsense that, 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 um, that some people go into. I, I, I think that's important because the only tangible assets that the club really has are, is, is the training ground and the, and the stadium. And, I, and I, you know, I, I like to see clubs who own that stuff free and clear. And I didn't like renting from, from um, Imperial. Imperial being been great, you know, really, really nice people and everything. But there's no substitute for owning your own training ground. Agreed. So just to cover it again, even if we change owners, the training ground will stay in QPR's ownership, whatever happens in the near future. It won't be like with Chris Wright. I know Clive touched on it. 
he he kept he, he we, we sorry just let you fill you in. I know you know all this, but for people who are listening, what Chris Wright was, he, he PLC'd us, and wasps ended up with the training ground, and um, we ended up in administration, and uh, wasps didn't. So you know, there's still a little bit of bitterness from QPR fans about that. So whatever happens, the club will own the training ground at the end of this. I, if it all goes well, I can't. I can't control what happens when I'm not here. So, so, so can I say forever that, you know, in 15 years, 20 years down the road, if, if, if Ruben and Tony and Ahmed decide they're selling the club and somebody else comes in, what they'll do, I won't be here in 15 or 20 years. If they're not here, you know, all I can tell you is how it is right now. And I, I know that those guys are in for the long term. It's up to other people what long term actually is. My last question, and then I'll let Charlie come in. Um, is I think this is possibly the biggest thing we have done since I've been a QPR fan. I'm not overplaying it by saying that because for years we've been banging on about having one training ground. We haven't had one. We've never really had one properly outright owned. What difference will this make to recruiting players, do you think, having this development, this this centre? Listen, in terms of youth players, it's a massive um, ace for us to have uh, because, you know, people, you know, kids that we're trying to get in, they want to see nice facilities. And when we lose players, sometimes it's like, you know, if I'm trying to compete, our better players, we've got the likes of Arsenal and Tottenham and Southampton trying to to dig their players. If I've got, um, uh, if we've got uh, facilities that can compete with them, that's step one. Second thing is I can show them a pathway that's probably easier and better than what they have with those those Premier League clubs, uh, you know, because you, you, there'll be a lot of people in front of them. So that's a huge, huge advantage to us, I think, in terms of trying to recruit the youth players. In terms of recruiting players for the first team, there's no doubt about it. It's always, <laughs> it's it's the money talks. But if the money is relatively the same, you're comparing, you know, us to another club, and we've got the better training facilities, then that gives us the leg up. Charlie? You know, you mentioned... Um... <clears throat> The cap for the bond uh, fundraising is at six point eight million. The other fourteen uh, odd million is that f- uh, solely from the, the free shareholder, the sort of free main shareholders. Where is that all sort of all being sourced from? Co- correct. Yes, it's coming from the shareholders. Right. Okay. And I know you. So there you go. There's, there's a reason. Like I said, with the current shareholders, you know, they got they, they got fourteen million, you know, <laughs> or or fifteen point two million. Uh, what am I saying? I think it was my math. Four, 14 million pounds in, in, in the game as opposed to us with the 6 million. And I know you mentioned sort of, you know, there's the hope that ideally in an ideal world we get promoted or, you know, the training ground is a facility that we can then uh, try and capitalise financial uh, gain from selling transfers and, and, and progressing young players and, of course, selling them for, for a, a good transfer fee. Is there, you know, is there any doubt that? If that doesn't happen in worst case scenario, are we fully in a position where that will be no problem to cover that 6.8 million? Is that all going to be, you know, are we going to be in a stead that that's not going to be any cause of problem? Well, like I said, the, the, with the owners putting in the 14, okay, 13 point, point um, two is, is is what it comes out to. Um, they're obviously covering that already. So the other 6 million, I, I, you know, it, it, will, it will come from somewhere mm. at some point in the future, whether that's them saying... Let's pay some back, you know, we'll pay it all back. We might do if what borrow institutionally to pay to, 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 to carry over something going forward, whether actually we're, we're such in profit from player sales and or promotion that that the point is they've got time to plan for it in terms of the yeah. return of capital. That's that, that's an important, an important thing. But also bear in mind, 
we, we don't have any charges against anything else in the club. So this, you know, if you want to look at the six million as a potential charge, along with all the other money that the owners have put in as well, you know, that, let's face it, they've put in hundreds of millions when you add, add total everything up. So they've got, a, I think they've got a lot riding on the line to make sure everything's a success. And, and just, I know you said as well that, you know, you've got the digger already on the site. When is the sort of provisional um, sort of date for it to be finished? And what is the situation then with Imperial College London? Are we tied down in a contract at the moment or is it where, for example, the day comes where we're ready to move in? Are we Can we simply call the Imperial College site a day or what's the sort of situation we're bringing no, we, to we'd, we'd have to extend, If we wanted to stay longer at Imperial College than, than the 22-23 season, we've got to extend the lease with them because we had planned that we'll get this over the line. We'll actually move the first team um, into, into Heston um, by hook or by crook and then we'll, we'll do it, which is why the pitches are the most important thing and the pitches are the first thing we've done. Because look, look if it takes a while to get the, you know, the, the construction program of the buildings, we'll, we'll, we'll take a long time. The pitches need to grow, which is why we need to get in and start the pitches straight away to make sure the pitches have grown so that by the 22-23 season, i.e. next season, we're able to move it to the first team over there. Right, fantastic. Um, the early repayment, they, I think Norwich repaid theirs early. Is that basically, is that clause in there, you know, fingers crossed, or be, you know, if we were to get promoted, you just pay the 25% kicker and pay it back early. Is that, that's what that clause yeah, is? Well, actually, actually, it's 5% plus 25%. You still get the 5% per annum plus the 25% for getting promoted as well. So yeah, that, that was, that, that's really what it's designed for. And that's exactly what happened to Burnley as well. When it got promoted, had the cash in, paid it all back, cleaned up the balance, balance sheet even more. Um, and, you know, the club was just in a stronger position all the way around. So have a bond, get a new training ground and get promoted. Um, it's, it's, that's it's, the, that's, it's a cast iron guarantee. Great. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, see, you in the, uh, see you in the Premier League. Um, Lee, for, for purposes of, of, of this recording and any FCA officials that might be listening, I did not say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I apologise. If I've blown the whole FCA thing out of the water, this is why they don't let me host usually. Um, yeah. Lee, listen, thank you so much for, for coming on and telling us about that. Uh, good luck with it. Uh, thank you for finally helping get that training ground over the line. Like I say, it's been a long time. I had hair when I started interviewing you and that's that's all gone, although that's not your Did I? Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we appreciate you coming on when you're not uh, you're not feeling well to tell us all about it. Good luck with it. No, no problem at all. Always a pleasure, guys. And the rest of the season. Thank you, Lee. Okay. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Cheers, big one. See Cheers, you now. Bro. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. Raving is slagging now. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It's, a, it's a very listen at the end of the day it's up to people I'm not going to tell anyone what to do what they shouldn't do with their money um, I think he's explained it to everyone now that they can make up their own decision make up their own minds and either invest or not invest but um, money's at risk um, yeah I, the big thing that I took away um, from the event at Loftus Road last night um, where um, a lot of people had come uh intending to invest a lot of money uh, 3% would include money off the season ticket because if you're investing some of the sums that these people were talking about that basically would have been a free season ticket as well for the next five years um, and um, I'm trying to think of the right word not sort of put off or perturbed or maybe disappointed that the season ticket wasn't included but then I guess as he says there the season ticket's one of our biggest sources of income at the moment you don't want money being funneled off into a training ground and taken off the bottom line over here. But that, that was seemed to be the main bone of contention. Have other clubs done it that way, Clive, do we know? Uh, as far as I'm aware, yes, for the, for the same reason. But I, I can't 
pretend that I'd check that. Um, okay. But yeah, there were the uh, there were the questions, there were the answers, and um, I'm sure we'll get the usual stick from the usual quarters about not pressing or not asking the right thing. But there we go. We can only. Uh, we can I mean, only... I mean, what, what, what were you supposed to say? Like, can you turn up like Dick Turpin or something, and so we can put it on the web and say that we interviewed the CEO. He's dressed. He's all ready for the. And there's people's. I mean, the the only thing is, it, and it's not his fault, and certainly not this board's fault. But the Chris Wright thing did burn a lot of people, and that will still be fresh and old fogies like me's mind and stuff like that but this is a completely new venture a completely different idea it's fresh. and um it's fresh in my mind i remember my mum's very shrill how much uh anger over all of that um so yeah do you want to, i mean i uh, i still never understood the whole i mean it's a broadcast for the day the whole thing with ABC, the administration how things that went first all i know is we never got that much freaking money back did we no, and uh, the training ground, the whole Twyford Avenue Wasps QPR administration, Chris Wright thing. And I have requested Chris Wright multiple times for interview and uh, have not had that. I suspect he doesn't want to go raking over those old graves. Do you want to talk about some actual football? Go on then. Sounds good. Okay. Birmingham. Uh, last Tuesday, three league defeats in a row. You can make your own mind up about how unlucky we were in those games. Um, Bournemouth and West Brom, obviously away from home and top of the league and individual mistakes and all of that. Good to get back on uh, on the bike against, on the bike, on the horse against Birmingham and Ilias Chair. Spectacular return to form after not such a good game at West Brom. Uh, Charlie, talk us through Birmingham. How did you enjoy that? Yeah, fantastic. I'll tell you what, the downpour game was absolutely horrendous. I mean, Obviously, you back to uni now, so unable to get to the last two. But yeah, I sat sat listening to to Nick London and Sinton is obviously always enjoyable and always a, a, a captivating experience. But no, great to get back to back to winning ways after you know that rut, disappointing rut. But you know, you, you take it with a pinch of salt because the performances uh, weren't poor and in, in in some ways didn't warrant those the three defeats. But no, Ilias Chair absolutely fantastic from start to finish. Um, and he's absolutely killing it at the moment. You know, again, last night, and I'm sure we'll touch upon it, um, in his performance for Morocco. But yeah, fantastic to see him get a brace and start bringing that end product that, you know, we so desperately wanted to see from Elias Chair because we know he's got the capability to do so. But it's great to see him flourishing at the moment. My big takeaway from last night in Morocco is he's not called Elias Chair. He's called Chair or something. Like, the Moroccan pronunciation is not Chair. This was an absolute oh. revelation to me. It's like, Chai Air or something. Um, but yeah, like you say, great goal last night and against Preston, two against Birmingham. Mm. It had been a little bit trendy on Twitter before that to start talking about how overrated Ilias Chair is. Um, there's a trend on Twitter at the moment, Charlie, you're better on social media than I am about unpopular opinions and everybody's unpopular opinion is that Chair is overrated. Am I the only, am I on my own thinking that's an absolute load of bollocks? Yeah. No. Oh, go on, no, go on, Vinny. No, you got a big man. I'll come no, back. I, I, no, I think I think Chair's fantastic. I think you know he's he's been quite a, a, a sort of bit of a raw, a raw diamond over the past couple of seasons. And like I touched upon as a, a second ago, he's not really had that end product at points, and his performances have always kind of warranted more than that. And and at crucial points, I think he's he's sort of finishing, and and sometimes he gets himself in such fantastic positions, and he isn't able to put it into the back of the net, which is why sometimes maybe he gets that sort of bad press and those sort of leaves a sour taste in people's mind. But one thing that I think he's never talked about is his work rate, you know, how he gets, you know, works around that pitch and gets back. And, 
you know, he's always putting in 100%. And you can't fault anyone that does that. But this progression now I'm talking about, you know, that's eight goal contributions this year, four assists, four goals. And those four goals have come in the last three games. Well, sorry, for club and country, he's got four goals in the last three games. So, uh, and I think not only with Chet, it's great to see sort of how he's working with Chris Willock as well. That sort of how interlinked they are and their movement together is such such a dynamic duo. But for me, Elias Chair's not overrated at all. I think he's warranting the praise that he's getting at the moment. Vinny, my uh, big thing about Chair, I think, because he didn't play against Millwall on the opening day, had uh, had the Rona. Um, and I think you saw Millwall was one of our poorer performances this year. And also, if he's not there, people can double up on Willock and it, it basically suffocates as I don't. I just don't think Chair gets anywhere near enough credit. I think it's completely the other way. He's he's underrated, if anything, not rather than rather than overrated, and absolutely destroyed Everton the week before. I think obviously had a, a bad time at West Brom. I that was our worst performance of the season for me. I didn't like how we played, and it didn't suit him at all. But I mean, am I blowing smoke up his ass, Finney? What do you what do you think? I think there's a there's a weird thing happening at football, not just QPR, I guess. I can only talk from QPR as you two can, because that's what we watch. It's a kind of a hangover from Eze, isn't it? It's that kind of um, people aren't letting players develop into the players they could be, should be, and are. Now, these guys are costed nothing. Everyone says they want a club back, want to invest in youngsters, they want to bring them through, want to do everything the right way. We're doing it. And then people are saying, ah, they're overrated. No, they're not. They're learning a frigging trade. And you've, I, I think Ilias, along with Willock, are huge, huge players and huge potential and will get a good return on them. But what, more importantly, they'll do more for QPR. And people don't... It's not that hard to work out. The better players do, and we have to sell them on because that's the sort of club we are, the more money we get, the more we can redevelop into the same system that brought them through and develop player after player, like we did years ago. So... To me, this is QPR going back to what we were, as you well know, doing this thing of bringing players through. And it's, it's sad that people are kind of like, you know, he'd won bad game, but Christ almighty, I mean, John Byrne was my hero and he had more than one bad game. For, I mean, Guy Bannister had more than one bad game, you know. Got to give these players chances and people are too quick to write players off. Let them develop. I mean, I would be surprised if Cher leaves us for a lot of money. And um, I think, by the way, his new name was... Um, was news to him as well, by the way, playing for Morocco. I, I don't suppose he suspected that change of name either, which is nice. Was it, was it just a dodgy a dodgy commentator that I had? But yeah, no, it, 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 it could be. But I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, it's it's something that's happened to a lot of players like Furlong, Lumley, Cher. You know, some people are on their backs too soon, in my opinion. Am I just well, being stupid? Well, no, I think, I, and I don't think we should pretend this is a new thing, although social media does exacerbate it. There always seems to have to be somebody. Um, and already this season, we've gone through people getting on at Charlie Austin, um, who's a legend at this club and has done great things over two spells, but didn't start the season particularly well as it transpired. Had some stuff going on in the background, mm. um, which I'm sure everybody's read about, and our hearts go out to him over that then came back and scored two goals and was brilliant against Everton. So the attention switches elsewhere and Chair gets it for a week and then Chair plays really well. And now people are talking about whether Johansson is uh, as good as he was last season. I, I, I personally That was think, ridiculous. Well, I personally ridiculous. think yeah, Johansson is carrying an injury at the moment, I think. But he's still, you know, one of our best midfielders. Head and shoulders. Midfield. But I just... But this has been always the case. Like you said, Furlong and all the way back to Mick Leach, right? Even in, even in the greatest QPR team, people used to slag Mick Leach, as far as I, I, I've been told. So it's like there always has to be somebody. 
if you think about some of the horrors we've had playing for our club over the over the recent years, there isn't anybody dislikable in this in this team. This is a proper team. They get on. I, there doesn't always have to be somebody, guys. You know, do you know what I'm saying? What what, what frustrated me? Sorry, Charlie. I'll just say this quickly: is there was a person I know who loved Joey Barton when he was playing for QPR, which threw me completely. Yeah, and at the same not. time was criticising <laughs> other players, and I'm thinking. Barton was part of the tapestry that was wrong. Chur and others are the tapestry that's right. The progression we need to make was not on players like Joey Barton. So that mind blew me a little bit. So I don't know sometimes if I'm, well, I know I'm weird, but sometimes maybe I see it from a different angle or something. I just, I don't know what people want sometimes. Some people anyway. Yeah, I think just coming back to the Elias Chur one, I'll just try to round it off. I think it does frustrate me because, you know, he had a couple of games under Ian Holloway. He went out to, to is it Stevenage, I think, in League Two? And he stepped straight up, you know, jumped two, two leagues up to the championship and he found his feet and he was fantastic. He then, you know, there was some speculation about, you know, oh, will he leave QPR? He then signs a four-year contract, commits his future to QPR. His work rate is unbelievable. He's, his, his attitude is refreshing. He loves playing for QPR. And, and you know, and he's, he's performing really well and you can see how much he enjoys playing for QPR. And... And it's easy sometimes to get on a player's back when they play every game and you start taking them for granted. And as Clive mentioned pretty pretty well, that Millwall game, when he didn't play, you, you know how much we missed him. He makes us tick. He frustrates the opposition because, you know, as I mentioned, here's Anne Willock's movement is, is very hard to track. He's, you know, he can go both ways. And for mm. me, it just, you, you can't, you can't get on a player's back like that. And I'm just pleased to see that, you know, yeah, of course, you know, it's how it goes. It's football. We're allowed our opinions. I'm not going to have a go anyone if I have an opinion, but, I, you know, and I have my opinion, I won't agree with it. But, you know, I'm glad he's, you know, the couple of people that maybe were giving him a bit of a go, have shut, you know, he shut him up with, with four goals in, in three games. So for me, Elias Chair has been one of our best players this season. And there's no way that he deserves any, any, um, any, you know, phrases of, of being overrated. My criticism, I mean, my, my criticism of him, if there is, if there is one, I think sometimes he does, or not so much in the last few games, but he, he does tend to hang on to the ball a little bit too long mm. and always look for that. He loves that shot that he scored with last night, but sometimes he can be a little bit t- guilty of hanging on to the ball too long, waiting for that opportunity to to arrive. Um, I think since West Brom, when he got caught in possession and crossed his goal, he's been he's been much uh, much better at that. Look, I've come on this podcast and written on my website many times, said horrific things about QPR players down the years, Joel Lynch and people like that. So I can't sit here and say don't slag players off, but I think this is a pretty likable, high achieving, great to watch QPR team. I don't think there needs to be somebody in this team that you go after. Um, that's my opinion. Let's do. Preston, North End. Can I just say one more thing to that? Yeah, go on, hit me. Um, It is true, I hear what you're saying about hanging on, but it's refreshing to see a player who's not afraid to entertain, to do things that are different, to try that bit, than watching someone like Basinga walk off the pitch tomorrow and we've got really good at That's what people have got to remember, not you, I'm not going to go anyone. Um, And people are entitled to opinions, and um, no one's saying these people are wrong, but it's nice that Ilias is proving them wrong. That's Warburton. Warburton's big thing, isn't it? Bravery on the ball. That's he, he loves uh, loves players like that. Um, yeah, let's it's do his bread and butter. Let's do Preston, mate, because I enjoyed that so much. I did me and several other people an injury when that third goal went in because I hate playing Preston. I hate playing <laughs> Preston so much. I can't even begin to tell you. And our record against them is so crap. Uh, three wins in thirteen or fourteen games before Saturday, I think. 
And I'm sitting there and as long as don't go behind in the game. That's basically the trick to playing Preston. Don't go behind and we go in front and we're playing well. We just literally had a conversation. So it's probably our fault where we sit saying this lot of basic, this could be anything we want. And then we concede another stupid defensive goal. The whole thing goes to shoot you two one down. And then it begins the rolling around the cheating, the shithousery. I hate it. I hate them. I hate them. I hate playing them. I hate it so much. And, yeah, I um, lost my shit a little bit when we uh, when we won. Finney, how was uh, how was Saturday for you? Um, exactly the same. It was um, Maguire, I think the fella's called, um, who looks like he's got his own personal sniper. Um, every every five seconds, he's rolling around. He's doing this. I mean, even when we scored, and um, I think it was done. I can't remember. Grabbed the ball out the back of that. One of their players did a cunning it. Yeah, Cunningham, Cunningham chucked himself on the ground, clutching his face. Meanwhile, at the halfway line, Maguire walks completely freely back to the halfway line and sat down again to delay the reset. It just some of the stuff was shameless. Like it went off. He limped off clutching his shoulder. I mean, some a, a medical professional will have to explain to me why you have to limp off with that. It took him an age to get to the touchline. Literally, as soon as he got there, turned him back on. It's just, it's the shamelessness of it. It just, it, 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 it boils my piss, mate. I hate it. It's it's, it's shameless shit history. And also, it's so bloody obvious. It's embarrassing. But we see it and referees don't. And the, the blame's got to be at the officials because it was clearly Preston had been doing this for years and getting away with it. Uh, Johnson's skilled in the art of of, of doing these things. It's, it's, it's annoying because it's, it's not, it's not, I mean, you know, I'm watching this and after the game, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube, the Preston fan that said that our goal music, you should be liquidated if you have goal, goal music, which I think is pretty harsh, but maybe that sums up the culture of the club. They've just got their priorities a little bit wrong. Now, it's, it is great, but Jesus, I mean, I you say losing your shade. I don't think I've, I mean, I've got bruises all over me. It, that third goal just seemed to lift everyone, didn't it? I mean, and I think this is what this season is going to bring. We're going to lose some, we're going to win some. But my God, we're coming back from some games as well, aren't we? I mean, I normally against the Preston side, they employ them kind of horrible tactics and then jammy wee goals. You're going to get beat. And the, to beat them and watch them come off the pitch crying almost is was was beautiful. That was football justice. And it was the, the God of football putting them on their cross. The Preston striker um, waving his arms around at how long Dieng was taking after we'd taken the Lewis. lead. Lewis. Beautiful. Just chef's kiss. I love that so much. You can tell it's going well because my shins are an absolute mess as well. Uh, Charlie, how did you see Saturday? I'll tell you what, it's, it's, the two goals that we conceded were just absolutely shocking. We and, are conceding know, some bad ones. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to take because there's now 16 we conceded in, what, 11 games now. And it's it's just becoming a fact that we've got to score three to win a game at the moment. And, and it's, mm. it's saying when you, when you break down our, our back line, you know, I think our back three, whether you're either playing device or done, I think is fantastic individually. You know, I think they're spot on and collectively I'd like to think, you know, they're good, quite a good defensive unit, but there just seems to be just too many mistakes at the moment. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and slag anyone off. I think it's, it's, it's just not the fact of it's disappointing because we're doing so well. But we're just shooting ourselves in the foot at the same time. But it's, it's just nice to be able to you know, be in a position where you've got to score three goals at the moment to win a game and we are scoring three goals to win a game. So, yeah, it, it's, it's just disappointing because, you know, if we, if we tighten up a bit defensively, then anything is possible this season. But it's just that sort of QPR way of, 
you know, <laughs> it just seems to be, it seems to be the way that we just make it hard for ourselves. But no, I think Lyndon Dykes is fantastic from start to finish against Preston. I thought he was a real handful. And then again, Elias Chair coming back. But I'll tell you, what, I need to touch upon on Dykes' header because Dykes is seen before ever. <laughs> um, special, special. But yeah, Elias Chair grabbing, grabbing the three points for us. But no, a, a thoroughly dramatic one, as always, a keeper at the moment. But no, fantastic to get back to back wins. Uh, you talk about Dykes' header. I was surprised the Preston player didn't make out his leg was broke. <laughs> I um I thought that was Dykes' best performance for us. Agreed. Um, I thought he was fantastic and had a goal. I mean, you know, it's all very well me freeze framing it when the linesman only gets one look at it, but that it wasn't offside and that was a hell of a header. And that would have um he really it was not it would have you didn't need to freeze frame it, Clive. You sit near me because I hear you. Yeah, I mean we um, sit in we sit in line with it, and I didn't think it was offside at the no. time. But I, yeah, I'd had sixteen Peronis by that stage, so <laughs> I was just like the linesman's probably right. But I've looked at it back since, and it, it was a nonsense, and it's a nonsense now. But I don't like doing the freeze frame thing that they do on Sky because the linesman gets one look at it. And another debate we had in the pub on the Saturday: I would rather take those errors um, over having VAR um, every day of the week. I know yeah. VAR's got a bit better okay. this season, but I would. I mean, you might disagree. I would take those errors over VAR. No, I agree. I do agree. I think VAR is a joke. But the thing is, you know, if you had VAR in the championship with the standard referees, you'd never get the frigging game kicked off. No, we're, but, still, um, we're still there now. <laughs> oh, man. But the thing is, the, the Dykes thing was amazing that the header, that the hunger. I mean, I suppose, going back to what you're saying, Charlie, the trade-off Warburton would say in the football that we play is we will, we will concede. There is no question about it because we play such a, a, a different tempo and, and press and stuff. But I agree. The slightly less horror attacks would be nice. To win a game 3 0 would be beautiful. But then, you know, just to win games, listen, we weren't even scoring a wee while back, you know, a couple of years ago. It was like, you know, so I'll take it. And I'm loving the football. I'm loving the attitude. And I'm loving the fact that you can go down in these games and you, you don't lose hope. You don't lose heart. Even at Reading Clive and, and, and Charlie, yeah. everyone knew we'd come back into that game. No one. I'm enjoy- I am enjoying, I'm enjoying the Keegan style chaos at the minute. I don't, I don't think it wins. I don't think it wins you a league, but at the moment I'm just enjoying being back at the football and, and watching QPR play like this. It's just every game is really interesting and exciting and good to watch. The best, thing about, that, the best well. thing about that Dykes header is it's actually him that gets up and blocks the clearance. He's just absolutely so oh, determined. Yeah. He ends up with the assist anyway by getting up. So, That's I mean, cool. Charlie, talk, talk a little bit about Lyndon, but also uh, answer the question, uh, championship referees or VAR? Which uh, Championship which referees you... every single oh, really? day of the week. I thought you were going to disagree with me. I do not want VAR in the championship. Absolutely. No, right. I agree. What I love about it. I love the drama. And, you know, when you score, you can actually celebrate knowing then that you're not going to wait. I, I'm not a fan of it. Not a fan of it. Yeah, have it in the have it in the Premier League and, and have it in you know big tournaments. But for me, championship referees every day of the week as much as I slate them. But just want to say one thing that's not been mentioned about that Dykes goal. I watched the highlights back um earlier on. The Dicky, how he bursts through, cuts through and puts in that ball. If you see that back, that is, you know, it's yeah, it's a great Dykes header, but what Dicky did to even set up that chance was phenomenal. Um but yeah, I think Lyndon Dykes, I just coming on to you know, touching there, I think. You know, he's been fantastic, of course. You know, he had his struggles last season and there's always going to be a period of time and you, you move over from the Scottish League playing for... Um, it's gone uh, completely out of my head who we play for now. Livingston. Livingston, that's it. Um, yeah, and, I've, you know, I it's he got, he got, you know, he got a bit of stick and, and he took it into in his stride and, you know, it's great to see him perform well. And we've got, we've got depth now up front. You know, Charlie Austin, of course, he had a bit of a, a, bit of a blip. He got two goals against Everton. Andre Gray's found his feet. He scored a couple. So it's great to have, it's great to have um, three fantastic options. And, you know, for me, Lina Dykes is a quality player at this level. Fantastic. I mean, isn't, it, isn't it 
isn't it brilliant though that we're talking about players that we can probably sell on for more money than we brought years ago we couldn't give our players away no matter well, how even, much we them. mate even a couple of years ago your sellable asset was Smithies and then the following season it was Freeman but there was that was it and then you know now there's five or six I think you could potentially get money for Dykes Chair uh, Dickie Dieng although Dieng's not having the best time at the minute but you know mm. in theory um Dunn has like you mentioning Dicky there, Charlie. Dicky's playing well individually. Dunn, I think, looks really good. Barbe's still great. Yeah. Uh Odebarge is a little bit all over the place or whatever, but collectively they're just conceding really. I was thinking while you were talking, I was trying to think of the last opposition goal we've conceded that I don't think was completely preventable and was basically our fault. It's not like we're you know, Jed Wallace on the opening day was a banger, but it's every goal at the minute. I'm like, could be doing better with that. It's so yeah. weird, but that's they're... why it's, it's probably scratch your head when you, you look at yeah. it like, because there's so much capability there. It's like it's simple things you could cut out, and and then like I said, with that platform at the back, you, you know, you keep it a bit tighter. With the goals are scoring second in the league behind Fulham for most goals scored, anything's possible. So yeah, but they've had the don't forget they've had the barons as well. Like and yeah. I mean, that's the thing about this league. Everyone's getting battered. You know, like Coventry are doing well, then getting battered. Uh, Fulham have got bad, you know. It's 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 such a strange old league. Yeah, and I that's mean, why I love it. It's Fulham up next, and I've watched Fulham three times this year. I watched them at home to Middlesbrough, and I mean, I was hungover, but I did fall asleep in that. I thought it was poor. <laughs> I saw them away at Middles at, at Millwall, and I thought it was about as good a performance as you will see at Championship. Oh, really? I thought they were awesome, and then I watched them in the pub on Saturday at home to Coventry, and they got absolutely destroyed. So. They're the top scorers in the league. I think we're second top and we've also got the third worst defence or something nonsense like that. Yeah. So God knows what's happening next Saturday. I wanted to hit you with this before we leave the Preston game alone. Um, something that I've written in the past is that um, I get a little bit sick of seeing QPR out shithoused in games. This term shithouse has come into football over the past. It's just sort of like it's an acceptable form of the game and the referees don't do anything about it. They don't punish the time wasting as we've as we've seen and talked about before I wrote in my preview before the Preston game this is what's going to happen the referee is not going to do anything about it and he didn't do we wish think QPR should get better at shithousing themselves are you sick of it being done to us and want us to get a bit better and do a bit more of that I mean that's not going to happen because Mark Warburton just he's not that kind of guy won't do it but do you think you want us to do that more be a bit more like Preston, or are you happy that we are above it? Ooh, that one. That's a corker. Um, I mean, it's despicable some of the stuff that's gone on. I know the Preston one was diabolical, but I can't remember which was it the Bournemouth one where they, they threw the ball into the crowd. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Bournemouth. That was terrible. I think I could name off every game. It's some been some. It's almost just really playing up as well. It's almost like the etiquette of a championship game now. It's it's just a done thing. And like you say, if you can't beat them, you got you got to match them. It's do you, do you, you know lower yourself to that level? I'm not so sure. Um, but at the same time, it, it seems to be working because the referees don't do enough about it. They just seem to sort of sit back and they've almost accepted it as part of a championship fixture now. It's a it's a very tough one. I just mean. You know, if if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. But at the same time, I just want to see referees do more about it. Can you, you know, a, a, a goalkeeper can, you know, after a couple of times, you skin that yellow card and you stamp it out. But it just seems to be too long that they're then giving the goalkeeper a yellow card, letting it pass. And before you know it, the clock's already massively run down and, it, and it's game over. It's, it, is, it is sad to see because it just ruins games for, for both sides. 
I mean, we've. All, I mean, let's put our hands up. We all thought it was funny when Joe Lumley went to the back of the stand at Swansea last year looking for the ball. So let's, you know, we're not we're not saints in this. Preston, no, Preston no. are the extreme example. Um, Finney, do you want us to be a bit more shit house, or are you glad that we Warburton and us seem to be a little bit above it? Two things quickly. Um, if someone dies for last minute penalty at Fulham. Don't ask me this question and we win because I know what the answer will be. Um, and um, secondly, sometimes when you're on a journey as we are, it's not how you get there, it's sometimes just getting there. And if we have to do things sometimes that we don't sometimes agree with, so be it if the other side of dinner. But I, I, I don't like seeing I don't like seeing players diving. I don't like, I don't understand how a referee can book a goalkeeper and the goalkeeper can then carry on doing the same thing 15 times over and not get a second yellow. That's got to be something that they need to look at and, and deal with. But if they are going to do it, you can guarantee your flipping house that the first goalkeeper to be sent off would be a QPR one when they start making these rules manufacturing themselves. I think, yeah, referees have got to deal with it. I mean, I don't like seeing it, but at the same time, if, if someone happened to cheat a little bit of Fulham when we win, I won't be bothered. And that's terrible. I'm ashamed. I don't, I, I don't get what, why the referees are so happy to be made to look stupid and have their authority taken away in the game. Because the Barnsley game with Gavin Ward, how many times did he run down the pitch and wave his arms and point at his watch and say no more to the goalkeeper? And then next goal kick, same thing, more hand waving, mm-hmm. but no yellow card. It's like, yeah. You're just making yourself look stupid. The players know that you're weak. They know that you're not going to do it. I don't get why referees... There's an existing rule. It's not like we need a new rule. There's an existing rule against this. And the only time, I, I mean, I look in eight of the 11 match reports that I've written this year, time wasting has been mentioned. And I think, as Charlie said, it's basically a, a legitimate championship tactic now that if you're winning the game and it's 60 minutes or later, you basically just try and kill it. And I just, it, it, and it infuriates me. And it infuriates yeah, me. Who were playing last year, Clive, when they were time wasting the first half? Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, wish, I wish you'd asked me that before I would have prepped it. But yes, I do remember the first half time wasting. Yeah. That, um, that, that threw me completely. But Birmingham, um, Birmingham at ours last week, nil-nil in the first 15 minutes. Apparently, it's a legitimate rule now that if you've got a player in defence that has a long throw, the game is allowed to stop for a minute while he trundles forward it's and t- finds t- a towel. It's like... Yeah. It's like, I get a minute. Why do we have to wait for this guy? Like, you've got a long throw. Okay, well... Get your ass up here and get it thrown. Why do we have to wait for a minute for you? Sorry. Um, can't, why can't they practice throwing a wet ball? Well, yes. Um, anyway, we need Is to. Is it the West Brom game as well with Darnell Furlong? Every single time they'd wait for him to run over to the other side of the pitch, get him a towel, dry the ball. Why is that a legitimate yeah, tactic? Like, you also had to. You also had this. Sorry, Clive. You also had the shenanigans at Peterborough where he was actually using the hoodie to dry yeah, the ball. I did see that? Which was bizarre. Bizarre. <laughs> And anyway, just, we love it. We love Darnell. Don't slack Darnell off. He's been friend, he's been friend of the listen, podcast. Lovely he, boy. No, no, Darnell's a, a great fella. And um, don't hate the player. Hate the game. No, no, no. He's, he's grand. <laughs> he's, 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 he's just doing what he's told, isn't he? So they're saying to, the ball. So we he's need doing to be it. very. Uh, we need to be very careful here as well because uh, dear old Nick London, uh, club commentator, is a wanted oh, yeah. man in Preston. I think he's yeah. going to have to use a false name for the away game. They are. <laughs> Absolutely gunning for him. I and would rattled. say. Uh, do, you think, do you think that's genuine that someone actually wrote that letter? Do you, do you really think this happened? Well, no, because didn't they say that? I mean, for people that aren't aware of this, uh, Nick London, the club commentator, um, 
<laughs> did the Preston game on Saturday and was every bit as annoyed as we are and um, gave Maguire in particular the rounds of the kitchen. And um, that's, you know, he's the QPR club commentator. Um, he, I think he described it as a partisan rather than a biased commentary. Um, but Preston fans who were listening um, through means legitimate or otherwise, perhaps, um, were not happy otherwise. We're not happy at all and have taken particular objection to his insinuation that Maguire may not have been injured at all on the five separate occasions he sat down and demanded the game was stopped. Um, so, yeah, Nick, I think, is going to need to um, use a false name for it for Preston away, but he was right. It is worth watching the uh, the 90 minutes back on the official website and, and listening to that, but they have been triggered. They are not happy, are they? Preston fans. I think the weird thing about that whole thing is it's like... Um, when they have their own club call, those be show me age. When they have their own kind of, so they're obviously watching it by other means. So you pay your money and take your chances. And here's that day: if your players were dickheads, it wouldn't happen. Preston fans, I guess if you watch Preston every week, you think that that's how every team behaves. And to a certain extent, as Charlie has said, it kind of is in the Championship. It's endemic. Mm, but Preston are the Preston are the worst for it. Right, like Norwich are the worst for screaming at the referee and diving around, as we saw last year, and Preston are the worst for this that we're talking about now. They are the worst for it, but they get very aggy when it's when it's uh, when it's levelled at them, and they get, they don't like Nick London at all. <laughs> what I wonder, I wonder if, yeah, do you reckon he's safe to go up there to the Finney Bar? Oh yeah, there is a Finney Bar up there, isn't there? Um, I, I like Nick. Do you know what? I know people took a while to get used to this thing where he called ex-players legends, no matter if they were on loan, great players or rubbish. I liked all that and took people a while to... But it's nice that we've got someone to personality, for God's sake. And if, he, if he's rattled the Preston fans, and so be it. I've been rattled plenty of times up there with them time wasting. So, hey-ho and all that. And I never wrote any letters, mainly the because... QPR, the, QPR you know, legend, the QPR legend thing is a running joke. It's a running joke. It is. And the key to a running joke is to keep it running. And the funnier, it, it's funnier when the player has played fewer but games. some people don't like, get it, though. But some people well, don't get it, Clive. I mean, you know... Democracy does not. I read Twitter. I the ball to the other side of the pitch. I can't handle that. Rattles me. <laughs> the squirting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the less said about that, the better. Shall we? Uh, <laughs> shall, shall we do? Um, shall we do ours end? Uh, I was just going to say you'd be waiting for a, a while for a round in the Finney Bar, but um, I'm, I'm going to leave that. Oh, uh, do you know what, Clive? That's harsh. <laughs> I've brought you lots of drinks and you've drank them. That's a fucking lie. That's a lie right now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I don't come on here and mean my, my, my characteristics. Um, Listen, my... I get to come on during the international breaks because it's when my work allows. And if I can't take the piss out of you when I get here, then what is the point? Quite frankly. Um, let's do great. Shut up. Let's do ours end. Um, you're going to, yeah, <laughs> I will mute you as well. Um, let's do ours end. Um, Charlie, do you want to go first? Yeah, I want to ask you both a question. We kind of touched upon earlier in the earlier in the pod about you know you know I think our back three is is very solid, especially individually. But same time, I'd like to hope collectively. If you had to pick our strongest back three, given all four are fit in terms of Barbe, Device, uh, Dunn, and Dicky, who are you both going for? I think the choice is basically between Device and Dunn, because yeah. um, obviously Dicky and I just sit. Barbe never gets talked about as much as the other two. And I know he can be a little bit Barbe sometimes. Um, and you just despair, um, particularly with his with his free kicks. Um, 
but Barbe's got to be in there. And I think it, the whole back three is basically there because he's so good at it with his left foot and whatever. And you can't, I mean, Dickie's just great and one of the most sellable assets we've got. Personally, I would go with Dunn over Device at the moment. Um, but I'm willing to be persuaded otherwise. Um, that reminds me, Emily Capel, friend of the pod, um, texted me the other week and asked me about, um, obviously she'd, she'd heard my um, song ideas the other week with Dunn. <laughs> and uh, she, she came back and said, what about Barbet? I'm a Barbet girl in a Barbet world. Oh no! Well, you can, may you can start that. Um, I will not be joining him. Okay, excellent. But well, that's not mine. That's Emily's idea, and um, she's, I'm not Lennon, and she's definitely not McCartney. Um, right. So Dunn, I would say Dunn's a future captain. I mean, all day long, um, you can see that the way he plays, he enjoys it. He's, he's hard as nails. But the drop device, oh, it's it's tricky. Um, yeah, I'd say Dunn edges it for me. And I'm not being biased towards where he comes from either before anyone says it. I just think there's a, there's a hell of a player in there. And um, yeah, I think he was probably brought in to replace Dickie, I sometimes think. And we'll probably see him, Device and Barbe be that back three. But what a great problem to have. Would you move Barbe to the left to accommodate both Device and Dunn? Because Device can play off the left side of the three. No. No, personally. Good, good talking point. Excellent. <laughs> Charlie, who's yours? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I mean, I'm not telling myself it's a good question. I don't know. Not sure why (laughs) there. Yeah. See, this is why I asked the question because I was tossing and turning about myself. For me, I think device kind of, kind of brings a bit of dynamism to it because. Barbe and Dicky are so so both so good with the ball at their feet, and then you've got Device who just smashes it out of the stadium, and he kind of is that more maybe a little bit more gritty, a bit more combative. And I think maybe he tries to keep that balance a little bit. But at the same time, I'm a massive, massive advocate of Jimmy Dunn. He's almost, like you said, like Finney, I mentioned, I think he's got more of a similar skill set to, to Rob Dickey. So I think possibly I'd edge for the Barbe, Device and Dickey, but I've no qualms whatsoever if Dunn's in there. But I'll tell you what, as you mentioned, I think Barbe's our most underrated player this season. I think he's been absolutely fantastic. I think he's the, at the moment he's the most informed out of all of our centre-halves. I think he's been better than Dickey, Dickey of late, in my opinion. I wouldn't disagree. He's also on 72 or 73 consecutive league appearances, which is just uh, absolutely phenomenal. Dunn's interview, post-match interview on Saturday, I think the best word I can think to describe him is intense. I'm not sure I would want to be marked by either him or Device. Do you know what? It's probably probably a mute point because um, Device, for all his benefits, um, does remain a little fragile injury-wise, so they're Mm -hmm. both going to get game time. We probably won't. I wouldn't call him fragile to his face. Uh, no, <laughs> and uh, yeah, if he comes on the podcast, I will not be hosting that night. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to mention loyalty points uh, as mine, and then um, hand it over to you, Finney. Lo- um, they've come up again, obviously, because uh, you needed a lot of loyalty points to get the reduced allocation at Fulham, and then at Peterborough. Um, there was a high ceiling to begin with and then a very low ceiling, which they seem to change after a day. Mm. It went from 100 to 1,000 points. So people have been having fun trying to get tickets for Peterborough. I had a bit of a rant last time I came on the podcast um, because um, obviously I've been following the club through the bleak times of late and going away, watching Ian Holloway's team lose away every week and stick Max Smith on for 20 minutes. And I don't personally think it's that controversial that, People have done that, should get a priority window. And I didn't think it was right what happened at Reading. It annihilated my Twitter mentions for about three weeks. Um, 
basically the argument being that, well, how are the younger demographic meant to catch up with the old gits like me and Finney on loyalty points? Because with every away game, we go further and further and they're never going to catch up. So what is the... And it made me think, it's like, what is the solution to that? I think the England setup is 70% for the high loyalty point holders and then 30% goes on general sale every time. The more I think about it and the more abuse I cop on social media, I think there is something to be said for that. There's a lot of people, young QPR fans, getting into following the team away at the minute. Is it right that, you know, the likes of me and you, Finney, Mm. get automatic access to these tickets while young Charlie there is scrabbling around trying to cobble together a, a trip to Peterborough. I mean... It's a tricky one because years ago they, it started afresh every season, didn't it? And that's how my memory's playing up. I'm pretty sure it started every season and it went through season by... went through that season started again the next season did it, and then did it after that. It's a hard one. I feel sorry for the box office staff because they must get an awful lot of shout over this. And whatever you do, you don't seem to please everyone. I remember once someone having a rant at me because they didn't have a season ticket for 10 years and I got a ticket for a game and they came on social media and had a right call me and said, well, I, all right, I gave up my season ticket 10 years ago and I haven't been in the game, but I really want to go to this one. There is and a degree of that. I mean, it, there is also, if I want to be a twat about it, there is a degree of, well, the team's doing well, so loads of people want to follow it. And if the team was crap, it would be me, you and the usual 600 people at peace for it. But that, you know, yeah. that's new. That's me being deliberately provocative. After but you made one. a good point, though. I mean, it is it is difficult because I do youngsters get on the ladder as a very popular conversation to be had these days. And I've no idea. I was certainly no more loyal than anyone or better loyal. I just seem to be able to get two more games because I've got no life. Um, oh yes, <laughs> you know, and that's think- you know I don't, that, that's my problem. Back in the back in the Ian Holloway days, second division when the team was doing well, and obviously most of the second division away ends were small. My recollection is that you had to send literally by post back then. You had to post in five ticket stubs from the last ten away games to qualify, Correct. and that that was a fair because that rewarded the people that were going now. You know, people there were people that weren't able to get Fulham tickets that did go to Middlesbrough on the Tuesday night, like young QPR fans that don't have the loyalty points. That doesn't feel right to me it feels like the system as much as I moaned about Reading and got some grief for it I've sort of considered it and I think the system does need looking at Charlie you'll presumably on the you know get rid of the fucking loyalty point side see I am but at the same time you know it's it's hard to bring in a solution because it's not a situation I want to be in in terms of you know directing this sort of ticketing issue because at the same time, if you've got a small allocation, you're going to out- upset some people. You can't win. It's it's a no-win situation. You know, you can't give a ticket to everybody. So, you know, it's who do you upset? Who do you upset, and how do you upset them? And it's tough because you know everyone that's you know people have built up points for the right reasons, of course. And you know, if you're you're a committed fan, you go home in a way you deserve. Then your loyalty, and but then you know you've got the predicament of as you you know you both mentioned of how do people start off because they could be equally as committed but haven't had the opportunity to go and get loyalty points to warrant that. So it is a, it is a difficult situation. I do really think it needs addressing. Um, and I you know I haven't heard that model before with, with sort of the England situation of how they do it. That sounds something maybe that could be introduced because like I say I'm struggling myself to build up <laughs> build up the loyalty points. I've never been able to get a ticket for Brentford away is what I've able to do. You know, I've been to Fulham a good, a good few times, but yeah, it's um, it's one that needs some serious consideration. I think it would be nice maybe if the club, I don't know, could have some sort of um, discussion with fans and some con- some consultation and we could feed in or something because I think it does need addressing. And like I say, 
you never you never going to please anyone but it's um at the moment and i think the change with the peterborough is very strange it was you know a thousand points then maybe the that was actually I'm, I'm, again, Seth, I'm, I'm going to give it. Do you know? I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was a typo because it went yeah, from. A, it it, they said originally it was 1,500 to start with, then down to 100, 100 which yeah. felt like a big jump. Um, and then they changed it to a thousand. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that it was a typo and not that they. What's the allocation? Yeah. Not that they crap themselves. It's two and a half thousand in the yeah. side stand. I think. I mean, how good is General Seal? I'll tell you that now. I bet um, do you think so? Oh, I think we'll set. They only had well, they only had a thousand left this morning. Yeah, okay, fair enough. A thousand, yeah. So I mean, there's that. There's, listen, there's never a fair way to do it because no matter what we do, it someone's going to be, and someone will lose out, and it's not fair. There is no fair way. Seventy thirty, or maybe a section for under twenty fives, um, or um, a rolling point system. So to put you your points are on a rolling three year basis rather than because at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm arguing against my own self-interest here because I'll get a ticket every time with my number of loyalty points. But it's like mm. cumulative interest, isn't it? I'm accumulating loyalty points on top of that every time I go. Charlie, unless I stop going for a period of time, he's never going to catch me loyalty point wise. That doesn't feel right or or fair. I'm arguing against my own self-interest here. Well, I'm worried in case like people like ourselves who've got high points for having no life suddenly end up with snipers on roofs. Um, <laughs> wanting to go to Brentford away and fill them away, but the, the, the sad thing is, it's the allocation from the other sides as well. I mean, Reading was a was a farce, and that's basically down to Reading not wanting to lose that singing section that was half full, etc. Fulham because they haven't finished the stand. Most games we should be okay. We should. The only, I think, the only other one that you're going to have a problem Luton. with this year is Luton. I think we get 700 tickets at Luton, and it's at the back end of the season when and just getting hope, the... We all hope that we're going to be competing at the top end. I reckon that's uh, it'll get nasty over those 700 tickets at Luton. I think yeah. the club should have a look at, like I say, either rolling it, turning it into a rolling yeah, thing, like or the 70-30 split, or going back to. Have you been to six of the last ten aways? You know, to reward the people that are going now, rather than maybe people that went a few years ago and are now accumulating points back then yeah. and now coming back. Yeah, because um, uh, yeah, like the idea, because you could genuinely have a have had a season ticket the last ten years and just cherry pick the away days. Whereas you know those people that have been the last three three years who have only been able to go to the, the the unpopular away days, should we say that that don't you know go the headlines of Fulham, Brentford, and and these sort of ones, but they don't go and do the long trips all around the country for when they can get a ticket. So I think the rolling idea is, is, is quite a good one. And I think it just brings a bit of fairness to it. So that is something I would definitely be open to. 70-30 seems a very good idea. I don't think it's, I still don't think it's controversial to say that people that did the hard slog during the Hasselbank and the Holloway and the Red Nap, yeah. you know, literally Red Nap said he wasn't bothered about the away games at all. They were bonus games. He lost all 14 of the bloody things. So <laughs> if you were still getting up and going to Stoke on those days, you deserve some sort of, Reward, but anyway, the system needs looking at, and I'm hoping that that will uh, uh, cure my Twitter. Is it 700 for Luton? Then that's that, that's incredible. You, half, you don't even get that whole end at Luton now. You just get half of that stand mm. where you have to go through somebody's toilet to get in. That is um, going to be a bum fight. That is going to be a real bum fight. And people yeah, not be... looking for, not looking forward to that. Anyway, uh, births, marriages, and deaths. Paul Finney. When <laughs> when before we go into that, when does Luton build a new um, ground? They were not not in time for our visit this season. Yeah, whatever. Um, I was in. Is do you know what? It follows on nicely to what you guys have just been talking about, which is the. I was just going to say I, I've been so pleased to see the lower loft more full. 
um, more younger people back at Rangers. For years, I've come on the podcast and moan about people my age um, going to Rangers and, and being the same old faces. It's absolutely brilliant to see so many more younger people at, at, at games. And I'm really enjoying that. And, it's, and maybe it's a little bit of football. I don't know. Maybe it's a pandemic. I don't know. But it suddenly seems to be a bit more cess for life amongst the QPR fan base. I'm seeing a lot of new faces and that's always a bloody good thing. And for the club to to involve, it needs to be like that. I just wish the kids do come to games, stop watching games through their bloody phones. That's my big bugbear when I'm seeing a penalty and I've got some person in front of me with a flicking phone up in the air watching the flicking penalty and I can see Jack shit. Really annoying. Use your conversational skills. Talk to wow. people. Paul Finney is telling somebody to use their conversational skills. And this was such a positive point <laughs> to start with. I know, uh, but it's, it's the, I went to see the specials the other week. It's the same thing. People have their cameras in there. And it's like, I fucking didn't come here to look at your bloody Samsung, you idiot, or your iPhone or your bloody Nokia or whatever it is. You know, just don't do it. Anyway, yes. No, that, do you know I'm what? I'm supposed to film a match day vlogs then. Cheers, Vinny. Yeah, you've just <laughs> destroyed, well, you've destroyed Charlie's business model yeah. from the start. And I also, I also said, I, I also thought you said that you went to see the specialist the other week and he had his phone in the air. Which, that would have been a, would have been a very... Uh, <laughs> if I went to very... see a specialist, Clive, they would want to spend five seconds this chaotic brain, never mind five minutes, mate, or an hour, whatever they give you. So trust me, ain't going to happen. But yes, I'm, 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 I'm actually... You know, I'm also worried about being so positive. I'm really enjoying going to games again. I'm really enjoying that buzz, that feel, that just experience. I mean, we um, Charlie did a thing with uh, Red London that I did as well last night. And it's just, I listen back to it. And all the Rangers fans just sound so happy and so chirpy. And so it, it's just going to Rangers at the moment, Clive, it's just the best thing ever, as far as I'm concerned. It's just so nice to have that feeling of unity back. Celebrity fans on Radio London. I don't know what's the uh, what's the world coming to. This celebrity um, fan lock hasn't paid off for me too much. I don't get the favours. And if just if anyone wants to know, I don't get bribed by the club. They've never tried to bribe me. But if they do, I'm absolutely up for anything. I am going to mute Finney now because that is uh, the end of the podcast. Uh, guys, it's gone on way too long as it was always going to with me hosting. But uh, but thank you for your time. Thank you to Lee, who's. Uh, for joining us and talking about the training ground bond uh charlie and paul thank you for your time and thank everyone you. that's listened to this if you're still listening to it now then god bless you and uh i will see you in the next international break these two will probably <laughs> be back next week this has been open all ours Here we are. We're